Good morning, church, and everyone else, too. Nice that you joined us today. By the way, if you don't have a church to call your own, what about us? We'd love for you to claim us, and we'd love to claim you. Think about it, all right? Chloe, that was such a nice prayer you offered a bit ago. Thank you so much for that. The anthem, our quartet, just performed for us is usually done the Will Houseke version, which they did, and there are only four verses. However, there is a fifth verse that was written into that. Let me read it to you. He is coming like the glory of the morning on the wave. He is wisdom to the mighty. He is succor to the brave. So the world shall be his footstool and the soul of time his slave. Our God is marching on. He is. July 4, 2020. You know, there's only one thing we can say today. Happy birthday, America. 244 years old. That's a lot. We're still here. What a nation we are. Lone Eagle Charles Lindbergh, in his memoirs, wrote this about America. He said that he had visited every inhabited nation across the globe in the interests of advancing aviation. He said, it's something to realize that you were born and raised in the, the country you would have chosen if they gave you the choice before you were born. I'm one of those, blessed to have been born and raised in this country, too. Emma Lazarus, who penned the new Colossus, ends that in this way. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to be free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore, Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. Well, wherever they were at, dozens and dozens of countries, they heard and they came, millions of them. That is something that my family understands. My mother and uncle were immigrants from Norway. My wife's grandmother was an immigrant from Germany. They're still coming. This year, we'll have something like a million immigrants reach our shores. Like America, our university community here in Berrien is incredibly diverse. According to U.S. News and World Report, this year, Andrews is number two in the nation for campus ethnic diversity. We have more people from more countries here than anywhere else, almost. And we're number eight in highest percentage of international students. Now, if you're going to teach in Berrien, you're going to have to uh, keep your kids 
happy and content because if they get mad at each other and start using their mother tongue, you're not going to know what they're saying. There's too many languages. <laughs> Anyhow, why do they come? They come to learn. They want to study here. And what a privilege to host their visit. And so we welcome them, those that are coming, and we hope those of you who were here will come back. Happy birthday, America. There is something about this nation. Those who first came here didn't come for education. They came to be free. You know, there's something in the longing of the human soul for freedom. It cannot be denied. Now, the pilgrims came and landed here November 11, 1620. They came seeking a better quality of life, which included serving and worshiping God according to the dictates of their conscience. But they didn't understand freedom, really. To them, freedom meant you can be a Puritan just like us, only. There were only two early colonists that understood that freedom is for everyone to worship God according to the dictates of their individual conscience. Only two people understood, Anne Hutchinson and Roger Williams. Long road to freedom. Fifty years earlier than the Pilgrims, in 1564, French Huguenots, and that's a term from there of Protestants, they came and landed at a place called Fort Caroline, which is near where Jacksonville, Florida is today. A year later, the Spaniards came and established a base at St. Augustine. And with a name like that, you can pretty well surmise what their religious persuasion was. They came over to Fort Carolyn and massacred everyone there. The uh, commander wrote a letter to the Spanish king, and he said this, We hanged everyone we found in Fort Caroline because they were scattering the odious Lutheran doctrine. Sometime later, a Spanish or a, a French fleet was shipwrecked and hundreds of survivors washed up on the Florida beaches. You know what happened to them? Same thing. The Spanish came and put every single one of them to the sword. They did it next to a river they named Matanzas Slaughter. Why? Because the French believed differently than they did. Now, during Puritan Boston's earliest days, it was anathema, anathema, pardon me, let me say that again. It was anathema to be Catholic or some other non-Puritan between 1659 and 1661. Four Quakers were hung in Boston because they were Quakers and they were standing for their beliefs. 
Now, if you've been in Boston, other than looking for a place to park, you may have taken the Freedom Trail. The wife and I did with some friends, and our tour guide said, I'm going to take the role of a Tory. And when we got to the place where we looked across the harbor, and over there was the ship that the Boston Tea Party was held on, he turned around and looked at us, and he says, when the king heard about this over in England, how do you think he took it? We didn't know. With a twist of wry humor, he said, oh, he was teed off. Oh, well, anyway, that was 244 years ago. Wow. And just a minute here. We will get to page three. All right, here we are. 244 years ago today, our colonial leaders gathered and signed a Declaration of Independence. They made a, an even stronger statement than just a tea party. They said, we will be free. That longing for freedom could not be denied. But the road to freedom is long. Was this country free that day, 244 years ago? The answer is no. We were saying we want to be free. It wasn't until October 1781 that General Cornwallis was surrounded and forced to surrender at Norfolk, Virginia. That pretty well ended hostilities. It wasn't until September 3rd 1783, that the Treaty of Paris was signed in Paris and America was recognized free. We were an independent nation. Repeat, that was September 3, 1783, the Treaty of Paris. Now, some people believe America was founded as a Christian nation. Wrong. America is a constitutional republic, a secular state. In the year 1779, Thomas Jefferson wrote this. It does me no injury for my neighbor to say there are 20 gods or no God. It neither picks my pocket or breaks my leg. Close quote. James Madison, who had become the father of the Constitution, wrote, why the state has no business supporting Christian instruction. Quote, Christianity disavows a dependence on the powers of this world. Close quote. Would you appeal to the state for them to use their power to push your belief on everyone? Some would. Some wish to. Some are seeking this. But you know, if you are going to open a classroom of a public school for evangelism and get people praying, who writes the prayer? A Hindu? A Muslim? A Jew? A Buddhist? An evangelical? An atheist? You? Long road to freedom. Now, America may have been built on that inner longing for freedom, but
But America's South was built on slavery. President Lincoln was seeking to preserve the Union, which was being threatened by the Civil War, which began on April 12, 1861. But he ended up signing what we call the Emancipation Proclamation. It proclaimed that on January 1, 1863, all humans who had been slaves were set free. They were emancipated. Ellen White made a very pointed comment about the Civil War when she said, God fought with the South to punish the North for the sin of allowing slavery in this country. And then he turned and fought with the North against the South to punish them for the sin of having the slaves. Did the slaves want to be slaves? No. They were ordinary citizens in Africa. Other black Africans stole them and sold them as slaves. Millions of them. Everywhere from the Senegal River in northern, northern Africa down to Angola in the south. Tell me, do you think God's opinion of racial prejudice and caste is any different than his opinion of slavery? And then coming this way, there was segregation, Jim Crow laws, and three bathrooms. Can we whites empathize with the pain blacks have felt and experienced over two some centuries? Long road to freedom. Long road to living without fear of injury, rejection, death forever banging your head into the white ceiling in business and society. America was founded on a longing for freedom. The longing is still present. Looking back from now to our history, our country is an unending quest of freedom. That continues. Today, we commemorate the corporate conscience and heartbeat of our founders who stated they would be free. Today, we declare all will be free. But the long road to freedom continues. It's a road not ending in just political freedom or economic prosperity or the great American dream. Freedom ends with inner freedom. But such a long road. Consider heaven's perspective of just how long that road is. Jesus, Son of God, Messiah, the Lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. We are familiar with history, his story. The common people loved Jesus. The religious leaders hated him out of jealousy. He was more popular with the people than they were. They didn't want to lose their power and control. They challenged Jesus every moment 
for everything he said or even thought. Going to scripture, John chapter 8. You heard it for our scripture reading earlier. It says the words of John, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we're Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. Now, he continued, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. And then he said this, and I think it was an invitation to them. If the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Slavery is far more than just chains around your neck. Jesus is the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. Sinning enslaves us. Every sinner needs emancipation and deliverance, and everyone deserves freedom. On this birthday of America's declaring they would be free, I declare that you can be free as well. Don't waste your energies on trying to make yourself good and get rid of all the bad. Rather, invest your energies in a relationship with a great emancipator. All you need to do is confess or hand over your sins to him and place your faith in him as your savior. He'll receive you and your sins with the biggest smile you ever saw. He'll forgive you, accept you, and make you a member of his family and you'll be a child forever. And then he'll begin reconstruction or renovation, which we use here at Pioneer. Ah, but there's more. There's more. In the beginning, heaven was really heavenly. Everybody meshed beautifully with everyone else. Everyone loved the Father. They adored the Son. But then along came Lucifer, the covering cherub. He got jealous of Jesus. He wanted his place. He wanted his worship. The Father caught, he started elbowing Jesus out of the way. And the Father called him on it. And he said, you cannot be worshipped because you're a creature. I created you. Not so the Son. He is like me. Jesus was to be worshipped, but Satan wanted it instead. It erupted, as Revelation 12 says, it erupted in war. Now, I thought about that. What did they do up there during the war? Hand to hand? That doesn't make sense. But the war of the mind and the war of thinking, that does. Lucifer, who is now Satan, 
began spreading all kinds of lies about the Father. He's harsh. He's severe. He's exacting. He's got an unkeepable law demanding. No, what made it unkeepable was was Satan's rebellious heart. He would not because he wanted what he wanted. So what did the father do? Well, the first step was to excuse Satan and his minions from heaven. And they came down to terra firma and set up shop down here. And he continued the lies that he'd started up there. And he sucked Eve and then Adam into sin, which enslaved not just them, but the entire human family. To where when the time later that day, when the Lord came for their together time, they heard him coming. And in fear and terror, they fled. They hid. Huh. Well, you're God. What do you do about sin? How do you get rid of it so it goes away and it doesn't come back? Uh, Just a minute. We'll get the next page. There we go. He didn't want people questioning his wisdom, his righteousness, his love, his trustworthiness. What do you do? Well, there was an answer. We call him Jesus, the Savior, the Lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. You know John 3.16. God so loved the world He gave his only begotten son. Jesus gave himself to, first of all, take our sins upon him that we can be forgiven and reclaimed and emancipated. (coughs) Pardon me. We could know the truth of sin. It is enslaving. And we could know the freedom that the gospel brings. But there's another reason why Jesus came and and died, why he willingly gave himself. It wasn't just for us. Approaching from the B.C. side, the cross, did anybody understand the true nature of Satan and evil? I don't think so. They never really saw it. Did anyone understand the true nature of the Father? Not really. But when Jesus died on the cross, they could see the truth of everything. And that was it, as far as the universe was concerned, for Satan. That was it for him. In a sense, you could say that Jesus came to die for two. One, the sinners. Two, he died for his father because he loved him so much and he was so misunderstood through the lies of Satan. He wanted you and me and the universe to know the truth of the Father so we would again love him. What what an understanding, what a picture unfolds for us. 
that Jesus died for sinners and he died for the Father so that we would once again love him and come running when he came near. Long road to freedom, long road to freedom. But here we are almost at the end. Very soon he will come and take us from this earth to the Father that he died for.